Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I'm your host Spencer, and uh, Joel is on vacation in Europe with Sarah, going to a very fancy, elegant uh, hotel. And he tells me there's a really weird lady who who's rooming right next to them. But uh, besides that, we have for this one, it's uh, one of the head grumps of Grumpire, uh, LB returning for the second of five uh, episodes. Ooh, hello. Yeah, you are uh, you're gonna, you're going to be on one of the uh, our Richard Gear episode for a season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you oh, claim yeah? the Breathless remake because for some reason Richard Gear comes up in every season organically. <laughs> yes, there's a Kurosawa really? movie where he plays a half Japanese, half American. It's kind of uh-huh. weird. Yeah, but it's good. oh right. Um, <laughs> okay, I get the Richard Gear yeah, privilege. Uh, okay, and uh, returning from last season, personal friend. Um, uh, Dune super fan, leopard and uh, cheetah print aficionado Megan Sunday. Hello. Hello. So, uh, first, this is the special episode for May. It's Daughters of Darkness. There aren't that many French horror movies uh, that uh, I really want. Well, there weren't that many compared to Italy, so I kind of want to shove in as many as I could and. I had an excuse to rewatch this, and uh, so first, uh, uh, what are you guys' history with Daughters of Darkness? Okay, you, you guys, um, di- you know, <laughs> I, I'm gonna admit that I only watched this for the first time for this show, but it's one, it's something that I had always like, you know wanted to watch but hadn't got around to so um I, I'm, I'm i'm being very open and honest here that i'm not i'm not a true cinephile because i haven't seen daughters of darkness before but um i picked it because i really wanted to watch it so thank you for giving me the excuse oh, to watch uh, it you're still a true cinephile <laughs> um <laughs> no no shame here <laughs> and uh and- uh megan what about you I had seen it years ago. I think it was on, it was in one of those, you know, DVD packs that you get that have like 75 movies and uh, they're all the worst quality that you've ever seen (laughs) put on a DVD. But uh, this was the first time that I had seen it in in ages. So it was almost like seeing it for the first time, honestly, because the first time I saw it, it was very Uh, like... I think I watched it in a glut with a ton of other stuff, mostly Italian you know, stuff with uh, succubuses hmm. and and things like that. So this is a little higher higher artistic quality than some of those for sure. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I think I first heard of this from. Uh, <laughs> no, I know where it's from. It's from my favorite podcast, Stars of Darkness, where the two hosts Sam Deegan and Cat Ellinger talk about like genre and art house stuff. And they mentioned this movie, and it's their namesake, and it's like, well, I try to check it out. It sounds interesting. And the first time, I was like, this is a good movie, but I don't fully get it. And second time, I get it a little bit more, but there's still a lot of mystery. And, like, it's 
Uh, I guess my, I, my main problem is like the pacing towards the end kind of slows down a little too much. But outside of that, like uh, I did like appreciate it notably more the second time through. Yeah, it. My my issue with the pacing is actually that I felt like towards the end everything just started going so wild that we'd had almost you know an hour and 15 minutes of these two having the worst marriage of all time and then suddenly it was like oh yeah now everyone uh, alone is dead and there's vampires and I don't know Valerie's really into it uh bye <laughs> yeah like oh okay <laughs> also they don't actually kill that police officer they just kind of knock him off his bike so he really just watched them bury a body and didn't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. I enjoyed... <laughs> I, I don't... Um, I don't normally like slow-paced films. Well, okay, I, I don't not like them, but like I, I have a tendency, especially with movies from the 1970s, to just lull to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because a lot of them have this sort of pacing where it's it's slower and there's more intrigue or, um, you know, that kind of thing. But um, this one, though, kept my interest um, strangely, I think, because throughout the the setup, which I mean, feels like it is two hours long, but um, there's it, it makes you wonder who this woman actually is because you know it introduces Elizabeth Bathory and you're like is this supposed to be Elizabeth Bathory or is this like them just using her name so like you try to like pick up clues about who maybe she might actually be and stuff like that so um it didn't really bother me too much but yeah you're totally right like it's this very slow roll until the very end where all these things happen and then it's just Mm -hmm. over uh, my so. first, uh, oh, we're going to spoil it. The movie's uh, like over fifty years old. Uh, it's fifty years old this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, weird. Didn't yeah. even realize that. But uh, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, we're going to like spoil uh, all of it because like it's easily available now. And uh, so, like uh, the, the mm-hmm. ending, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Wait, wait, what? What's happening?" And like, and, and it kind of took me out of it a little bit because it felt so random. And right, it confuses you because suddenly there's something yeah. going on that wasn't just like lots of sexually charged gazing. <laughs> right, <laughs> and one thing that I know noticed has happened a lot. It happens a lot in especially '70s horror movies uh, from from. Europe and from the US is that no one has any sort of personal boundaries. People are constantly just like coming into conversations or people's homes and just being like, by the way, I'm going to talk about the weirdest possible shit. (laughs) And you're just going to go like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Like I recently watched uh, the movie Crawl Space, Mm -hmm. which is about an older couple who basically adopt this guy who hides in the crawl space of their house and it very much goes awry for them but it's primarily because at no point are they just like do not live in our crawl space 
<laughs> they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, tell, do not let a, a strange hippie move into your crawl space, frankly. Are you talking about bad <laughs> and Ronald? In this, no, this is crawl space. Bad Ronald, he builds, oh, okay. his mother builds him a house inside of the walls oh, yeah. so that he does not get arrested for rape. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I forgot the, the uh, building of a house inside <laughs> a wall's part. Yeah. And, but, and this is the same, like, the first night that they have drinks with Elizabeth, and she's just like, let me rub up on your husband and talk about torture. And Valerie's yeah. just like, I don't enjoy this. <laughs> like, where, what has happened? Where did this all go off the rails? Yeah, uh, I I I, I haven't not haven't haven't read the Carmilla story, but I understand this is basically a a loose adaptation of the Carmilla story mixed with the Bathory legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's most any vampire fiction or media that has women. Uh, that's usually their their basis is is Carmilla because it's just so. And that, that too has this element of, uh, excuse me, why are you just in my bed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's parts in that story where it's just like, I'm going to sleep in here with you. I'm like, are you? Okay. Sure. Yeah. And this, I feel like in this movie too, they don't, I think they try almost in the beginning to have you think maybe Stefan is just like maybe he's like a killer because he's just so into like the whole concept of it yeah but part of you is like well no obviously he's not then what is his deal and we never actually really find out mm-hmm yeah right right I mean, is he Cause... is he uh, uh like is he bisexual is he trying to pretend to be straight like what's what's going on with him and also, so he's he he presents himself as a British person who lived in America, yeah. but he sounds mm-hmm. like Grand Admiral Thrawn from Star Wars, <laughs> and it's just like, what is this accent and why? Because also the actor is American, so I don't know why he was doing this at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, it's very confusing because he presents himself as well. I have. You know, my mother is very particular about the kind of person I'll marry, and you find out that it is in fact a man, and it's like more like I guess like a sugar daddy. Yeah. But then that's the sort of then bye to that. We never get anything else. So mm-hmm. it almost comes across as just a sort of wouldn't it be wouldn't it be weird if there was a flamboyantly gay character in the middle of this? Like, well, not really. I mean, you could explain it more. No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like, I find the mystery of it fascinating, but also, like, it's kind of, like, again, like, uh, people know, like, I like kind of meandery, like, Altman-y stuff where it's like, people hang out, not much happens. And, like, here's there's this, uh, this air of, like, too much mystery with some of it, and it's like, I don't know, like, 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 I'm more to longer movies now. Like, maybe add like half an hour of this more like weird allusions to backstory, and it maybe like for me it would work better. Yeah, it's 
Yeah. And so much of it kind of did seem to be done with a sort of angle of, won't this be kind of lurid? Like the first night when Alona is, I guess, going to attack Valerie too early. And of course she's completely naked. Yeah. Where it was just a little bit like, well, we could just have this actress be naked. Like she's going to be naked later when she (laughs) dies, but she could just be naked sooner than that. Yeah. I mean, why not? And it's like, well, because I don't know that that necessarily added anything because it's not like she was going to try to seduce Valerie or anything. I think she was just going to kill her. She seemed more into Stefan the whole time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Albie, this is your first time seeing this. Uh, what, what's your mm-hmm. overall take on the movie? Mm-hmm. Take like takeaway. Oh, um. Well, I I, I appreciate how it feels very decadent. Mm-hmm. Like, um, <laughs> there's a, uh, I think there's like a fine line between like romanticism and decadence, and this crosses that line like really, um, really broadly, I guess. But, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there's like much to really dive into this movie as far as um thematics and and things like that but like it's kind of once you figure out like what is happening it's kind of a um straightforward story um so like I don't I don't know exactly if I have too much of a takeaway other than like it's just something that you need to mm-hmm. absorb like you know it's really really pretty yeah <laughs> and um uh it, it's sort of, um, I, I guess, like you're under its spell in a way. Like you're, you're under um, the the what's her name, De- yeah. uh, Delphine, her character. Um, you're under her spell the entire time too. So, like, I don't know. I I, I just think it's mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> no, I agree, and and they do a really good job of presenting I think it, I, I really did think it was interesting how we know kind of going in that it's clear that at the very least even if Elizabeth and Alona if the twist was that they weren't really vampires they were just serial killers it's mm-hmm. still heavily implied that right. well, they're serial killers then and that's you know but Elizabeth mm-hmm. especially is presented as so so classy and so seductive that even though there is you know the weird parts where she's describing torture and and all that sort of stuff it's she's so very she's so classy and they have that whole mm-hmm. you know you know Marlena Dietrich kind of get up and and everything where you're just sort of like well all right like I I'm actually more interested in what she has to say <laughs> like it's it's you know, yeah. Stefan is such, he's such an ass <laughs> from the very beginning, even, even before we find out any of his, you know, his mysteries and that, just this fact that he clearly is not too keen on introducing Valerie to anybody, um, that. Right. Which is, which is really weird to me that, uh, part of the first part of the movie was me trying to figure out like why he wouldn't want to uh or like what 
what kind of expectations does his mother mm-hmm. really have for his wife? And for a while, I thought that maybe there was some kind of ruse or some kind of um, thing where um, Elizabeth was actually his mother. Oh, uh, it was all uh, like a big plot. Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, but I mean that that didn't work out. But so uh, that's part of the reason why I didn't mind the the pacing was because of, I had all these thoughts like going through at the at the same time. So, um, yeah, and they don't. Uh, I yeah. felt like they don't do enough to. He's such a weird. He's he's a very weirdly presented character. Because at first, you know, it's just mm-hmm. he seems like he's afraid to tell an overbearing parent that he has gone off and gotten married. And it's like, all right, you know, right. that's, a, you know, kind of reasonable. Uh, and then once they get to this hotel, you know, he's putting her off and putting her off. And then the moment, the moment he sees Alona, he's basically like, well, hello. Even though we've not been given any kind of implication right. up till then that he was necessarily unhappy with Valerie. He just wasn't particularly into like mm-hmm. telling anyone. And then there's the part when they go to Bruges where he like backhands her because he's so into like seeing this this murder victim. Murder. And then mm-hmm. after that we get the weird the weird like BDSM whipping scene, which is just sort of there yeah. for sheer, like, woohoo, look at this. And then, yeah, as mm-hmm. Spencer said, then we find out that he's either gay or bisexual, but is in some sort of relationship with a man, and that's who he's been presenting as his mother, which is mm-hmm. ostensibly the person who pays his bills and is basically like, what are you going to do with a wife? Like, you can't bring her here. Yeah. Right. But then we don't get anything else. Like, yeah, is this the person that pays all his bills? Are they in a relationship? Like, does he, you know, is he just mm-hmm. attached to this man for the money? Does he actually care about him? Right. We don't know. We just, and then he right. sleeps with Alona, and then she dies in the most contrived death I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> Which uh-huh. I really appreciated the beginning of that death scene because it's the running water. Like, she can't cross the running water, which is, yeah. like, I think a thing in vampire lore that really gets skipped a lot, because it's not as interesting as a lot of other things. Yeah. Like, and that part was so good, because it was just like, yeah, like, obviously she's freaking out, because that's the thing she cannot do, and that's such an interesting, like, thing to see. And then she just, mm-hmm. like, falls on a razor blade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> and everyone's just like, well, no one... <laughs> I think my note said, you know, because Elizabeth says, like, well, no one will believe it was an accident. And I was like, I think they would because it's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then at the end, he's just suddenly trying to be it's like they they overplay the whole, well, the evil, like the male aspect where he's basically like, I'm a man and she's mine. It's like, well, ew. Well, now Mm. no one cares what happens to you because you're awful. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of an easy prey. He's mm-hmm. easy target. You know, um, so maybe he's trying to uh, overcompensate for that because he realizes that he just falls for any pretty girl. Yeah, because I mean, Alona barely looks at him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just the, 
The fact of any movie, and I get that, you know, they, they have to have these setups, but anytime in a movie when someone sneaks into your house, or in this case, sneaks into your bedroom and is just standing there watching you in the dark, and you're immediately like, well, I guess we should have sex. <laughs> like, oh, is that your first <laughs> thought? Because that wasn't my first thought. All right. But, yeah. and then he gets killed by a bull. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that scene is so silly. <laughs> But the payoff is like, well, it's worth it. <laughs> oh, no, the payoff's great, but just the fact that... And I liked I liked that that's sort of what they have to do, because we're not given any indication that being a vampire necessarily gives you a ton of cool powers like we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like, she, you know, there's parts where Elizabeth shows up very quickly, things like that, and... But other than that, I mean, we don't... They don't appear to have fangs. Uh, we know that she has lived for a very long time, but they clearly, mm-hmm. you know, she... there's They're not, they're not like, flying through the air, turning into bats, or, you know, anything like that. So when it comes time to try to kill him they sort of have to be like, well, what do we have available in this room? Because that's what we have to do. Yeah. And so they just put a big Waterford crystal bowl over his head. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> rules of vampirism feels closer to Gondra and Hess, where it's like equally kind of loosey-goosey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Gondra Hess is also, uh, I think everyone would agree, is definitely a more sexual movie and more homoerotic and uh, accomplishes some of what this movie's trying to do, but better. I mean, yeah. I think it's more interesting to watch, definitely. I feel like, I feel if nothing else that in Ganja has their, the characters have a little more oomph to them. Like, there's a lot of just sort of languid uh, laying around in Daughters of Darkness, for sure. There's a lot of just, well, we'll do that tomorrow. So right now, I'm just so tired. I'm a vampire. I gotta go to bed. Yeah. It's gl- glamorous European lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, and like this is. I also appreciate. Oh, sorry. I I just I also appreciate that it doesn't seem like Stefan really gets what's going on until she says she has a crossed. What does she call it? like the River Oceanus? Yeah. And then he's like, wait, that seems like an old-timey term. It's like, where have you been this whole time? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I, 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 like, I've seen a lot of the, like, 70s legend vampire movies. Like, it's a subgenre that I mostly like, but it's kind of samey. But it's a formula that I don't mind. But, like, the men are usually kind of buffoonish, uh, regardless. Mm-hmm. So, like... It didn't stick out that much to me, but he, he does feel like after you lay it out, like kind of extra stupid compared to like the typical men you would see in these type of movies. Yeah, you just and I mean, and it works out because then at the end when he dies, you don't care. Like it's not. I didn't feel bad. I was sort of <laughs> like, well, all right, Valerie, like get yours, I guess. Which leads uh, me because Alona was clearly done with the whole scene. <laughs> so I mean, it's unfortunate that she died, but she kind of seemed like that was her end game. Yeah. She clearly, she full out said, "I wish I could die." Yeah, she wasn't very happy. Um, Which leads me to 
Well, first, like, I have a couple of questions, but uh, would you follow Elizabeth if she was uh, trying to, like, seduce you to be a vampire or serial killer or whatever uh, she was? I mean, I don't want to be a serial killer, so <laughs> that aspect. Uh, I, and I think that that is one of those things that I don't know if Valerie ever got to that point in her, like, thinking about what was going on, because then they, you know, clean up Alona's body and everything. She's obviously very kind of in shock. And then almost immediately after that, uh, sleeps with Elizabeth and is bitten. And then after that, you know, everything else just starts to happen. So like, really, I think the first time that she's confronted with this concept that like, well, you're going to have to drink blood is when Stefan dies. So I don't know if she ever, I don't think Elizabeth leads with, we're going to stalk pretty women and, and slice their throats. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's sorry. That was, I guess the <laughs> gangs of, suburban Maryland <laughs> and then they you know so that aspect no I would be like I'm not and also I think once you realize that Elizabeth's whole goal is just for you to drive her around and kind of be mean to you <laughs> it's like oh I mean, some people are that it. part very much reminded me of the hunger because that's all yeah yeah that's all she's Catherine Denevue yeah. is doing in that movie too I mean some people are into that so <laughs> that's true yeah. That's true. <laughs> Is it fetish for and everyone? I'm not going to kink shame. All the outfits are great. That silver dress at the end was like mm -hmm. a revelation. Yeah, like, a lifestyle. Yeah, like usually, like if I see like dresses in a movie, like like rear window, like I'm I'm just like okay, it's a dress. It doesn't uh, like stand out to me that much. But for some reason, like the the dresses in this one are like oh, this is this is fucking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I... that purple <laughs> the feather robe like please I just I would wear that every day my neighbors would be like what <laughs> is your deal like uh... <laughs> I'm a yeah. vampire leave me alone yeah, and like, like, uh... but you're outside right now just ignore that part <laughs> yeah and like don't mm -hmm. mind me mm -hmm. uh, I, I really like the um, the choice of, instead of going like the, like the hammer route of like it's uh 1700s England, and she's stuck in that time period. It's like no, she's like a like a, a glamorous actress from like the goal from like the pre-code Hollywood era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, what a what a great time to pick if you were going to have to choose. And the 70s already had a very like it's the 40s again kind of aesthetic. So right. It totally mm -hmm. was just part of it. And then Alona just, I mean, was looking pretty sharp the whole time, too. Yeah. I was... And the color, yeah, the I... color palette is, um, like, it, it's in color, but it, it looks kind of black and white. Because, yeah, like, the, the prominent colors are uh, black, white, red, and gray. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it kind of visually mm -hmm. tricks you into thinking that, like, at least for me, like, there are parts where like, is this in black and white? Because uh, like it it kind of it does really hit like hypnotize you if, if you get into it. And then you get these like pops of red, and it's like yeah, oh, the, like this aesthetically, it's just gorgeous to look at, and like you can tell like it was very deliberate, um, 
like choosing those those co- those colors, which also ties into like the classic Hollywood mm-hmm. thing I mentioned earlier of like mm-hmm. kind of appearing black and white. You know, those colors are also like I guess maybe ironically used because they're like very fascistic oh, yeah. colors. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Nazi uniforms and everything were always. Um, <laughs> those colors so uh, I find that interesting too if you think about it that way like uh, uh, how Elizabeth just has control over everyone in that she meets mm-hmm. basically and that was something that was missing in this as a as a horror movie set in Europe in the early 70s like there were no Nazis often they're just like by the way we've brought mm-hmm. in a Nazi and you're like okay <laughs> Like, there are so many mm-hmm. Italian horror movies mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, and also, did we mention that this guy was a Nazi? It's like, what? No, you didn't, because that doesn't have anything. Okay. Like, fine. I get that it was the whole, it was the, you know. But uh, also, one thing that I, I loved, even though, I mean, I'm sure, you know, it's a little, I guess you could call it obvious, but that shot where they're on the beach and she has the cape on and like lifts her arms up and does like the bat wing thing. I was like, no, nope, mm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Making it my, making it my Twitter <laughs> banner. Yeah. It's like amazing. It's <laughs> real goofy, but it's like, it totally works. Yeah. You know, it's, I can accept goofy when it's a vampire movie. I mean, honestly, I'm like, nope, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I will accept whatever you give me vampire movies fine vampires are kind of inherently mm-hmm. campy they can't help it so yeah <laughs> so it's totally okay it doesn't matter i mean i mean only lovers left alive it's a jim jarmusch vampires and they're still campy <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they, if you become a vampire you're just automatically like you know what i'm gonna put a little drama into this yeah i mean if you're in love forever you might as well have a fun life. That's Poor true. Elizabeth, you know, live all those centuries and be killed in an artistic car crash. Yeah, and that that, <laughs> that that car crash is like so like almost like a I don't know, it's like it is basically slapstick the way it's handled, but it's like but it also just looks so cool. And like the way like the, yeah. the gasoline goes out is like this could have been smoother, but if it was smoother, I probably wouldn't like it as much. Because you said it's it's a campy movie, and like that really plays into like this the uh, like the the insane drama that happens in the last twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. The I will say that the very ending was definitely one of those times where you just want to say we get it. No, we get it. Okay, you think we can we can cut. <laughs> yeah. Valerie's the vampire like queen now. We know. Okay. We're still walking? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ending reminds me of this really um questionable um horror movie from early two thousands, Goth. Which is kinda like the same ending. Uh Goth is on Prime if you want to watch it. It's uh garbage, but it's fun garbage. It, it doesn't <laughs> understand goth culture in any possible way. But uh uh, yeah, uh, that's it. Just it reminds me of, of Goth with the. Uh... Well, it's like the ending of any monster <laughs> movie where they pan down to the baby or the egg or whatever, and you're like, uh huh, I know. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
<laughs> they just show it and, like the egg starts to shake and you're like no i knew that was okay like we, we're all here with you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um valerie's the vampire now good for her i guess like she didn't seem to have a lot going for her unfortunately yeah. uh and this no. is a case of the french title and she's a poster is the the red lips and the american oh. title is uh stars of darkness which i don't think really fits the movie no i don't i don't think so. it sounds no. it sounds more salacious but the red lips is like yeah you yeah, know that's like a, actually makes sense with what's going on because a lot well like the like the red lipstick on uh on the quote-unquote vampire so it's like yeah it, it's literal and figurative at, at the same time Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daughters of Darkness is very, like, no, they're, I mean, I guess, kind of, they are, but that's not really their deal. Like, <laughs> that's not right. all they are, thank right. you, movie. That, like, presents it as more of a, like, wives of Satan sort of thing. They're, they're uh, like, women of darkness, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, in a sense, you can say uh, Valerie and Elona are her like become like her vampire daughters sort of i guess which is always i think the part in vampire fiction where you have to be so careful about how they consider anyone they turn into a vampire because it's like well are are those your children or is that your girlfriend or what are you doing vampires Like, hey guys, what are you doing? Yeah, it could turn real, <laughs> what are the rules? Real Pornhub, real fast. <laughs> well, and that's I. And I was actually very impressed that it didn't, because hmm. again, I've seen I've seen a few, mostly Italian like horror movies from this era where they were just sort of like, what if we just have ladies with ladies for no reason in the middle of this movie. Mm-hmm. And this was something where that could have been an entire plot point because it is. And they don't, they didn't go like crazy with it. I was just like, all right, Hey, thank you movie. You could have been a lot more, uh, you know, male gazy with this as it were. Yeah. I mean, it's it, I, yeah. Uh, like with like the male gazy stuff, it doesn't feel as, uh, as gross and sleazy as it could be like I, i've seen plenty of other ones where it's like uh, this is pushing it a little bit but here it feels there's some moments but for most parts like it, it's handled pretty well mm-hmm. i didn't feel like any of it was necessarily yeah. none of it seemed shoehorned as, as far as it works i mean they were i do think that enough of it was vague that by the end, if they hadn't shown the little bits of Elizabeth and Valerie, there would have been people going, but what happened? But Yeah. But why was, what happened? And so there's like, we have to explain some of this for people. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I felt like the most gratuitous part was the, the quote unquote BDSM part. Hmm. Cause that just seemed to undercut that. Are we supposed to think that Stefan is, the, the one who's going to become a vampire or the one who's a killer because he's not we know he's not like mm. why did i have to watch him like beating his wife for no reason yeah and i guess that ties into like him uh, he's the first one seduced clearly 
because Valerie is kind of a blank slate initially. Who's is, is devoted to him, mm-hmm. and then she, yeah, you know, as, uh, maybe it's on record or not, but she has sex with a woman one time, and she's like, "Oh, this is my new life." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Yeah, Valerie, live like you were not having a great life beforehand. And the best part of that scene is um, of they're cucking um, stuff on, and it's like, yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> well, that was actually as gross as I found his whole. Well, I'm a man, and she's mine. Line. Elizabeth immediately comes back with, "Was she yours last night?" <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> Elizabeth. She's saucy. Also, for someone who mm. couldn't stand Elizabeth prior, Valerie, re- like, just get on the train if you want to get on the train. Like, that, again, with the no one has boundaries. Mm. Like, Elizabeth just shows up and is like, I'm just going to take your suitcase. You don't need to get on a train. She's like, I guess not. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, boy. Yeah. I know Elizabeth is lonely because it's, you know, centuries and she has to keep swapping out friends, probably, but yikes. <laughs> Very needy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of the two local men, the hotel guy and the that other local guy? Was he? I'm not sure what he was. Like, the he's a detective, yeah. isn't he? Well, it seemed like they weren't. You'd think Elizabeth at this point would be better at covering her tracks, because yeah. she comes back to this hotel where. The concierge recognizes her from when she was there 40 years before, which, you know, then everyone's going, well, that couldn't possibly mm-hmm. be her. And then, right. and also no one seems to buy the whole, it was her mom deal, which is usually the fallback for any immortal story. They're always like, oh, that's my uncle. Mm-hmm. But then she also is apparently committing murders that are similar enough to other murders that were committed in the same area years before this detective is just like so you again I'm like oh <laughs> geez Elizabeth I know you can't really cross running water but Europe's pretty big yeah yeah you can get a lot of places on a train yeah it's true I, I mean I was glad that that detective character kind of came back and had more of a justification because when he just was sort of the weird guy on the street. I I actually made a note of just like, what, who is this guy? Because I, I couldn't tell if he was meant to become something more or if he was just weirdo in a 70s horror movie. Yeah. So I was at least relieved that he kind of came back a little bit. And I did like how everyone was just so offended that he showed up and was talking about the murders, even though they all were too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost very classist they were just like is this a police detective is he speaking to us okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that poor concierge just running that whole hotel by himself I guess yeah pretty yeah, much that's another weird element of like what time of year is it exactly why is it closed but also, you know, like I say this in the episodes, it doesn't really matter. It just kind of like mm-hmm. adds to the atmosphere of like, it's the only, it's it's empty and weird and atmospheric. 
and like it's yeah it's a movie mm-hmm. it can be uh, you know whatever it wants to be mm-hmm. uh, one, one, so you'd really think Elizabeth would have a maybe a little better knowledge of when the sun was going to come up though uh, yeah it felt like yeah, it felt right like, like, or like then to that movie yeah a spoiler alert for a movie that's almost 100 years old. The end is like, oh, it's too late. I should have uh, uh, hid in the shadows. And it just, it just gets burned by a sun, and that's it. And this is the same thing of like, <laughs> seriously? You, you lost track of time? Yeah. I mean, I think they trick him in that. I think there's something I haven't seen Nosferatu in a very long time, but still, he's like literally walking in front of a window, and he's like, "Ah, oh, oh. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I guess Uh-oh. I'll die now," and that's the end of that movie. Oops. <laughs> like you gotta pay attention to what's going on. You gotta take a peek. Yeah, I guess like the... like what we do in the shadows. You gotta just take a look. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> But uh, like so, uh, one one thing with the end that I'm still unclear about is, uh, do you think uh, Valerie crashed on purpose because she was trying to fight uh, being under control, or do you think it was purely an accident? Because I feel like it could equally go both ways. I thought initially that she was going to do it on purpose. But then she mm-hmm. really did seem to be totally into Elizabeth, so I'm not sure. I really, I don't know. I, I'm not sure either. Like, uh, as I was watching that scene, it really kind of felt like she was doing it on purpose. Like, um, but it, yeah, mm, it's hard to say. Because that's, I mean, it's a dangerous game. Yeah. I almost almost feel like she's not quite, um, like, she doesn't have the uh, smarts to, to pull off some sort of, um, uh, I'm going to murder this, this lady who uh, I'm apparently betrothed to <laughs> now. Like, <laughs> you know, like, she doesn't have, like, uh, she doesn't seem like she has the capacity to make a plan. Yeah, but, I mean, it's unfortunate to say about kind of the sort of heroine, like the final heroine, girl of yeah. this movie. Yeah, I know. She just kind I of know. stumbles through life and is pretty. Yeah. And she just goes with anybody, you know. She's like, I, you know, I bet that the, that's how she met Stefan. She just like met him randomly and he was like, let's get married. And she's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. I, mean, I was pleasantly um, surprised and- that she left him initially after all that mm-hmm. because in a lot of movies it would have just been, well, I mean, even movies made today, it would have just been a, well, I'll, I'll figure it out. But that she was just like, yeah, no, mm-mm, I'm getting on a train. <laughs> Until she's stopped by, like, you know, vampire ladies, but you can't anticipate that. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> um, the actress, Delphine, uh, Sigrid, Sigrid, uh, she had a very, mm-hmm. uh, like, crazy career. She's in a couple late Arab and Well movies. She's in my favorite late Arab and Well, The Milky Way. Mm-hmm. The, the very Catholic one where he takes actual, like, Catholic text and, like, 
shows you how ridiculous it is with like uh showing you literally like uh what what it looks like and she's in donkey skin the the demi movie um last year at Miriam bad but uh, her career is like i didn't realize i'd seen her in other movies because she kind of is a real chameleon and will Mm -hmm. completely like change everything in the it's 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 kind of this amazing just seeing her as like uh she died in 1990 but uh i really do want to seek out more of her stuff because i'm like everything i've seen her in like she's kind of one of the best parts Mm -hmm. yeah no i'd agree she was really she was really good my favorite thing that she did was mr freedom that's i've had that on my list for years but i haven't watched it yet yeah, well, you should watch it for her costume alone, yeah. you know, if not anything else, because it's amazing. She looks incredible in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So. And is probably um, Jean, Jean Dillman. I think she's really, she's excellent in that. Mm. Uh, I forgot where we're going with that, but... Um, Um, like I don't know where how to really talk about this movie anymore. Besides, like, like so much of it is visual, but also it's kind of em- mm-hmm. but but it's empty and pretty. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I watched it again. I'm sure if I watch it like a third or fourth time, I'll probably get more out of it, or maybe not. I'm not sure. <laughs> You just never know. Yeah. Yeah, but like some of my favorite moments are like um the slow crazy seduction when they first have dinner to get drinks together and the first time she um sees the the, the young couple, he's um uh, where was it? Uh he's he's eating like a piece of meat like a like a doofus and he looks like a real idiot. And it's like this great <laughs> moment of like Oh, she she picked out her first target. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's just like, wow, look at that guy. Let's kill him. <laughs> he seems like an easy mark. Yeah. And I would like to steal his wife from him. <laughs> uh, yeah, like. I also wanted to know more about Alona's whole deal because since we don't get a whole lot about how yeah. the vampirism works um, because I know like to, to we said that this was similar but like what happens in, in something like The Hunger is that the main vampire is immortal but the ones that she kind of makes aren't um, which is why yeah. like she ends up like David Bowie ends up dying like halfway through well not quote unquote mm-hmm. dying um, and mm-hmm. So we don't know if that's something similar, if she's just tired of being alive, because it seems clear that she knows on some level that Valerie's going to replace her, but you can't tell if she's entirely happy about it. Yeah. I mean, she's tired of being a vampire, but she doesn't want to, she's not tired of Elizabeth necessarily, but then she also is. And yeah, she doesn't seem too excited about going to seduce Stefan. Yeah. Uh, 
I got the idea that she was a familiar mm-hmm. at first. So that was another thing I was questioning if if she's a true vampire or just a servant. Yeah, until she like clearly wanted to like drink his blood when he was in the shower. I was yeah, right. Like, what, yes. What, are you a vampire? Are you not? Because they don't have again. They don't have fangs. And mm-hmm. this like falls to that category of like the hunger Gondren has, like the artsy vampire movie where it's like it's kind of unclear. It's clear, but it's also unclear. And I feel like Only Waters yeah. Left Alive uh, is a little too strongly into the vampire mythos to fully qualify. Just slightly, but... Because uh, that one's more... Explicit, like, yeah, they're vampires. And we're like, this one's like, are they? Are they not? And like, same Gondra and Hess is like, are they just serial killers the whole time? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of murky. Well, and- but that, that I think is why, honestly, whenever, you know, every year or so when something new comes out that has vampires, somebody says, oh, I'm so tired of vampires. And it's like, no, you're not. Because there's so much you can do with vampires. What you're tired of is if they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. Like, you can have things like this where it's like, are they vampires? Are they not? Like, how does it work? You can have, you know, something like let the right one in where it's a whole different you know, set of circumstances and how that works and how it operates. Something like, you know, 30 Days of Night where they're just, like, wretched. You know, it's there's so much that you can do with that concept. And that's, I just, I get people saying, like, oh, I'm tired of zombie stuff. Because at the end of the day, there's, like, a limitation. But, yeah, like, come on, no, like, vampires, they can be whatever you want them to be. And in other countries, they hop in stuff. Mm-hmm. And we don't use that enough. Right, right, right. Like there's a whole. Um, there should be more that whole series vampires. from let's say Hong Kong in the eighties. That's like uh, where like it's like vampire hunter and he like kills hopping vampires and it's like a goofy comedy series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just mm-hmm. you know, was it Indonesia where they can like, they half of their body comes off from the other half and hunts and <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love vampires. Yeah, it's like the like the, that's probably the more monster for like. I love. Oh, sorry, LB, you were saying something. Oh no no no! no just, it's like I the number one. Really. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 no! <laughs> it's the easiest monster to like make a story out of besides like werewolves because like there's a you can like the the rules are vague enough where it's like you can play with it and you can just apply like any genre to it and like every culture has their own version of it and so it's very applicable mm-hmm. to everything like mm-hmm. a, a common thing and I think it's most, mostly West Africa of like werewolves where it's like hyena people where it's just the same principle but like they turn into hyenas uh, at like at certain times that's so terrifying I would not want to meet a hyena person <laughs> Hyenas are pretty scary, <laughs> no. as it is. Yeah, and the females, this will get gross, but who cares? Um, if there, I think it's if there's no male in the pack, the females will grow like a fake penis to dominate the the um, younger males. Like it, it, there's some really crazy stuff that hyenas do. Like they're, 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 they're yes, they're, really? they're kind of scary, but like there's a lot of cool, uh, like gender bending stuff that uh like that 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 he has uh that he has do 
Which which howling is it when they're suddenly marsupials? It's like I think four, that's four. I think? Yeah. Is that, is that four? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense because they're not like Tasmanian tigers or anything, yeah. but they mm-hmm. just were like, "Hey, what if they were marsupials this time?" And at least they tried. At least they went for something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's. Uh... You can only get one uh, Ice T Kangaroo Man movie, and that movie is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yes. I think it's a lot of fun. Yes. I love Ice T and everything. Oh no, I I am very fond, very fond of, of Tank Girl, but it could be it could be better. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I'll watch anything but, with, yeah. with with that uh, with uh, Ice T in it. He's always the same, and I love it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is. It is great, and he is frequently my my favorite part. It doesn't happen as much anymore on SVU, but my favorite part of any SVU is always they inevitably have to interview like rich, like shitty white kids who like call him brother, mm-hmm. <laughs> and those are always great because he is so good at just the look of like I'm sorry, what. <laughs> It's like, why does this always happen to this poor man? Like, these guys are just like, hey, what's up? But it's like, oh, no, you just said that to him. Uh Uh-oh. At one, with one client, I always watch SVU. Oh, no. Because there's not much to do uh, uh, with him. Uh And there's, uh, I saw one where, like, he goes to, I see he goes to a um, uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe-themed restaurant in, like, uh, Times Square. (laughs) And he like looks like a freak show here. Oh, it's like, really? oh, I love this <laughs> so much. One of my favorite moments was just the episode where, for no good reason except that I think he was like, "This is what's going to happen this week." Uh, his wife Coco is oh. has a cameo appearance. Um, <laughs> really, really? And like, he just was like, "Hey, baby, you want to be on my TV show? Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing?" <laughs> She's just around. Yeah. He was like, what? Yeah. Come on in. You can be in this just this little scene and we'll interact and I'll like make eyes at you because you're my wife. He's a grandpa That's now cute. too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but we could we could do a whole separate iced tea podcast probably, but Yeah, just just talking about him. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Yeah, his podcast oh. Tea the the tea on tea. <laughs> Spill the tea. Some, His podcast crap is like pretty that. good. He interviews a lot of like uh, underground and indie uh, rappers of right now, and uh, the intro has like a, a warning of like if you're offended by words like fuck and shit, this isn't a show for you. It's like, oh, he really is like this as a person. <laughs> <laughs> but he's very cute on his wife's Instagram with their daughter, yeah. so. All people contain multitudes. I know, but his his persona mm-hmm. is just like mm-hmm. I hope he never changes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he won't. don't worry. He sees no reason. Yeah, and uh... can I tell you guys about the weird vampire movie that I watched literally before uh, recording this tonight? Okay, it's called Aswang. Nope. Have you heard I've of heard it? Heard of it? It's from from 1994 um it's a very 
uh, Mondo Macabro like uh, released it in the early 2000s sometimes on uh, on dvd but it's hard to find except it's on youtube so it's not that hard to find <laughs> but anyway um um it is weird because it's like this local horror movie made by a couple of guys from wisconsin and it is about a filipino vampire legend called the aswang who like feeds on children but um the weird the weirdest thing is that the aswang has um i don't know if it's like a tongue or something like this like fleshy tube that like drops out of the mouth and goes very very long and then that's how they feed onto the other person so it's like this really really long thing and it's really gross and um just i i don't know it's 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 a legend that i don't really know much about and now that i've watched this movie i need to research more but um yeah i just wanted to bring that up speaking of weird vampires from around the world is this for uh okay yeah well no i mean uh i don't know if we're gonna talk about it on on uh, movies from hell or not but I mean, you never know when you go on um, that show it's it's a <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but um uh, that that's definitely why it was put on our radar I, andrew my husband actually had the dvd from years ago so um we put it on but yeah it's really weird and gross and and cool at the same time but yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, anyway, on that, on that note, uh, <laughs> everyone knows Gondrin Hess is one of my favorite movies ever. It's Love at First Sight. If you're into like stuff like Daughter or Darkness, mm-hmm. check out Gondrin Hess. It's that that might be a sign of that that could be your tempo. <laughs> okay. And uh, the Spike Lee remake um, is podcast approved. Both me and Joel really enjoy it. It's not as good. It's kind of the it's nice seeing Spike doing something different, but it's you can't really repeat what he, what uh, what Gondra Hess is, and he does a pretty good job of trying to avoid it, but mm-hmm. it falls into his typical like lesbian fetish shit, which is a little tiresome. So, it, I mean, we did a whole season on Spike, so we kind of saw that a little too much. But this uh, notice in the movie, it's like there's some fetishy shit. Like, okay, he's a straight cis guy who likes watching that anyway um yeah so 19 this daughter darkness is easily available in a lot of places there's a blu-ray out um cat ellinger wrote a book on it for some publishing place i forgot what they're called and um yeah uh i i, I would recommend it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. And uh, this is 1971. A lot of, I say it's every time. Uh, movies came out this year. It, every year is a good year for mm-hmm. movies, pretty much. Um, so, uh, what do you guys have picked for 1971? <clears throat> uh, well, mine is The Beguiled. 
Uh, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. And it is, uh, if you don't know it, it is the one with Clint Eastwood, where he is a Union soldier who like, sort of insinuates himself into a Southern girls boarding school and causes all kinds of ruckus because it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's very... It's presented, if you look at, like, posters of the time, it's very, like, woohoo, like, look at this man in the, the cat house kind of deal, which it's it's not. Yeah. It's very Southern yeah. Gothic. Uh, it's it's great. The remake, also pretty good, honestly. Like, I enjoyed it. And the book is also great. I liked if it, If yeah. you're into books, which, you know, hey. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's just a great, it's a great flick. It's... It is slow. I will say that. I think people hear Clint Eastwood, especially in the 70s, and they think like, woohoo, this is going to be, you know, a time and a half and lots of action adventures. Like, no, it's, it's not. It's right. not that kind of movie. But uh, yeah, especially if, if you liked, if you like Daughters of Darkness, if you like that kind of, I would say, again, like to use the same phrase, that tempo, I would say, The Beguiled. It's also, mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood looks great yeah. in it. I'm not a super Clint Eastwood fan, but 70s Clint Eastwood. Chef's no. kiss. <laughs> That's it's one of my favorite. I've only seen the remake, but it's one of my favorite subgenres of an outsider enters a tight knit group of people, and things get sexual and weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. So I I like the setting. I like the boarding house setting because I think well, it's it's a very you, groups like that. You get so much. There's so much interplay and like kind of almost a cast system of, you know, who's the popular people and who's this. And the book goes a little more into it because there's more uh, racial stuff in the book. Uh, but mm. it's that kind of same. We're all enclosed into this. And how long can that really, you know, maintain itself? Kind of very almost... Almost picnic at Hanging Rock, except that no one vanishes into another dimension or something in, in The Beguiled. Uh, again, another uh, tip, uh, another example of the genre I'm talking about would be like the uh, Dover nun comedy uh, Dark Habits, which is a pop star on the run for who might be framed for murder. It's kind of unclear. Enters this group of crazy nuns and kind of things get wacky and weird. And... Uh, you know, I guess like you know, it's 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 a common thing, common like uh, trope that you see a lot. Uh, if you like, if you think about it, I don't I don't know if there's a proper name for it, but it's something I always love to see. Uh, is there any other nineteen seventy one for you, Megan? No, that was really the one when I was scrolling down. I was like, oh, that's right. I mean. Uh, it was also, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a really good year. Uh, Clockwork Orange came out that year, if you're into Clockwork Orange. Uh, Billy Jack, which I think everyone loves. Billy Jack. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anyone I who doesn't love like uh, Willard Jack. came out in 1971 as well. Yeah, I thought uh, Billy Jack. Of Willard. I thought Billy Jack was a Clint Eastwood movie when I was a kid, because I thought the. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> I can see why you'd think that if you just kind of glanced at the cover. Yeah. Ooh, uh, and Let's Scare Jessica to Death oh. came out in 1971. That's a very good movie. That's another one where it's like, maybe we should just not let hippies into our house. <laughs> yeah. 
in conclusion, no hippies in your house. If you find a person at no. a lake, don't let them live with you. Also, no, don't rent no, no, a house no. in the northeast uh, in a town full of uh, weirdos because things are going to get uncomfortable. <laughs> that whole town is very weird, even before everything starts to happen. It's like I yeah. think I'm going to turn around. Yeah. And the original premise of that was a comedy about. I think like killer hippies who would bite people to death. Like the original um, script was completely different, and I'm very happy. The screenwriter hates the what came out because he he. How could he? Oh. He wanted to make like a weird comedy about like hippies killing people or something. It, it's mm, worth looking into right. what the original idea was, and it's like, oh, thank God, <laughs> they changed it. <laughs> Alright, for me, um, one is Die Screaming Marianne. It's a British um, horror movie by Pete Walker, who's kind of one of the big names uh, in British horror at the time. And the movie isn't good, but it's just like a nice thriller that kind of plays into like some very typical tropes. But uh, it's Susan George, I think, pre-Straw Dogs around the same time and mm. she's really good in like this um like the movie doesn't fully work but i've seen it like at least 15 times because i find it's extremely watchable it's, it's very predictable but it's like this like if you're into like inheritance and corrupt family thrillers um you'd be into that and the other one well, I won't say Bay of Blood, but we, we're going to do a, a, a Bava super episode down the road, and that might be on it. And it's basically what Friday the 13th ripped off, sort of. Not not sort of, it, it ripped it off, it's pretty clear. <laughs> uh, something for an underdog, the Fukusaku Yakuza movie. Um, it's just like uh, part of that cycle of like the more gritty, realistic Yakuza movies, and it has... Uh, a great ending where the main character dies but like he dies trying to do the right thing and it's uh, extremely moving and knowing that doesn't spoil anything it's just a great movie about like this old yakuza who who's in who's entered a new world after being in prison mm. and he's just too old and he doesn't fit in and he's just trying to survive and it's just a great gritty yakuza movie in that era of like the great gritty yakuza movies Mm. And it's a bunch of lesbian vampire stuff from this year that varies in quality, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Game <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's also a really good uh, psycho bitty year if you're into Shelley Winters doing doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What's the matter with Helen came out this year. Um, whoever slew Auntie Rue. So. Yeah. Some good ones. Yeah, uh, there's traffic, mm -hmm. which I don't have a maybe pick traffic, but like, you know, Jock Tati, uh, it, it's the last feature film. Mm -hmm. It's not as good, but still good. I am contractually obligated to mention the last picture show because uh, I have a, a podcast that I do with my friend Mike uh, called Get a Clue, where we uh, examine the life and career of Clue Gulliger. So he is in the last picture show, so I, I have to mention that one. Um, my 
pick, though, is maybe surprising. Uh, it is uh, a film by Roger Vadim, written by Gene Roddenberry, what? which is weird. Um, it Yeah, <laughs> this movie is Pretty Maids All in a Row, which is a murder mystery slash sex comedy starring Rock Hudson and oh, Angie Dickinson. Amazing. I've heard of where, this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. It's it's not a great movie, let me say. But uh, it is entertaining and shocking and like just just um uh provocative uh, because Rock Hudson's character is a high school oh, football yeah. okay, coach. Okay, I have heard of this. Uh s- slash like guidance counselor. <laughs> and he is fond of uh having relations with his students. So, um, and it's just, it's presented as like totally okay. But, um, uh, Angie Dickinson ends up having also to, as it's a really weird thing because like, so Angie Dickinson is into Rock Hudson's character, but Rock Hudson's like, yeah, okay, we can hook up, but you have to, um, seduce one of my students it's really really fucking weird but uh and and kind of uncomfortable at times but it's like such a piece of just what is happening and um you know it's just so shocking that uh it's entertaining like you just watch it with your mouth open like what (laughs) so um that 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 is my pick (laughs) but uh it's it's the only movie that Jaden Ron Berry actually wrote, and I it's so bizarre that he wrote this. Um, not so bizarre that Roger Vadim directed it, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a really really crazy little um, time capsule of 1971 and like sex comedy. So <laughs> there you go. And I guess if people want to watch like film, I should probably say something that's like an actual cinematic like you know masterpiece uh <laughs> walkabout came out in 1971 oh okay yeah oh a fantastic movie uh, also very slow i i'm not picking the big <laughs> the big action adventures but it's very much a movie that i think everyone should see yeah same year as velvet vampire which is this kind of the same plot as um daughter of darkness except it's in america and i think like arizona or texas and uh yeah um all right this comes out early may and um so uh well uh uh megan what what's coming up for uh, let's get weirding circa early May. Well, uh, so I am, I'm the co-host of let's get weirding a Dune podcast with my friend, Bo North. We talk about Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. We will by early May, I think maybe we will be done with children of Dune, but it's got, it's not a long book, but it has lots of chapters. So possibly not. Uh, so we'll probably still be talking Children of Dune and working our ways up to get ready for God Emperor of Dune, which is when shit really gets weird. It's great and amazing. So that is likely what will be happening. Anything else? Uh, just had a great article on uh, 
the spool on the top 10 best stable episodes of SVU. Yes, thank you. I'm very proud of that. That was my <laughs> opus. Because uh, nice. uh, Law and Order Organized Crime premieres this week. And so I think everyone needs to just, you need to know. if you're. I mean, if you're watching it, I assume you are familiar with the character. But hey, you know what? You could always stand to be more familiar. And I will guide you along the way. <laughs> and that is at thespool.net. Uh, and uh, LB... Um, grumpire wise mm-hmm. or podcast wise whatever <laughs> um, well coming up in May we are going to have a week long uh, s- series uh, for our column called Weird Boners which is uh the the column in which we explore why weird things like turn us on so there's that um what we just finished we had a a week where we uh we started a new column about action movies because we kind of all agree or in my little grumpire group we all agree that action movies are a genre that's like not really spoken about too much as far as like um, in in relation to horror or sci-fi, who are like the, the main two big ones, like horror would be like the king of the genre film, right? Um, so, but they're action movies, and like it it it's as if there's not a huge community for that. So, um, we want to kind of promote more of a, an action movie community. So we started a column for that, and we we. Uh, rolled it out with a, a week-long series where uh, the writers did uh, different different action movies from throughout the decades. Like, you know, one was uh, a feature on Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, you know, so that's, that's you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I wrote uh, an article about Joseph Kahn's movie Torque, which is a ridiculous <laughs> movie. It's um, a... Mm, it, it it's like a a parody of the Fast and the Furious, where um there is uh they're on motorbikes instead of the street racing cars. But uh, my article focused on like how the the use of parody uh <laughs> was to its advantage, and and like how action movies are really absurd and like have a lot in common with actually the theater of the absurd. So I like we're trying to like promote the study of action movies um, in a more intellectual way, I guess, other than just like, oh, well, big explosions, super fun, you know, like that kind of thing. So trying to trying to be more academic, but because there is some worth there, (laughs) but you just have to dig for it and not be pretentious. uh, I mentioned last time you did a great article on daisies, the movie I watch about five times a year. Uh huh. And I, I highly recommend um, <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. read uh, your article on how Daisies is a secretly a punk rock movie. Totally. Totally. And I am working on a thing for Grumpire currently. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll be done with it. It's uh, it's how a, a certain 40s musical is actually a, a punk rock movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm. Yeah intriguing i'm really excited he 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 pitched that to me and i was like uh yeah <laughs> yeah we're, uh, <laughs> so. we're not recording i'll see what that movie is 
Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, coming out around May. Uh, I don't know. May is the 1968 pairing, which is the Bride Wore Black. Which oh, this reminds me. Uh, it came out in the episode. There's a Kate Bush video that mimics the movie. Um, for which movie? Of uh, the Bride Wore Black. Oh yeah, uh, the wedding list. Yeah, that came up in the episode, but me and Joel aren't uh, Kate Bush fans, so we kind of didn't know what our guest was talking about. And then I watched the video, and I was like, oh, I, I, got, oh. I know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's the, the wedding list. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, it's paired with Teorama, the Pasolini movie, where uh, uh, Terrence Stamp seduces a family and fucks everyone and then leaves, and then everyone has a change in their life and it's Pasolini so you know very accessible and easy to to watch what 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 year was that 68. okay 1968 Terrence Stamp that's legitimately uh feasible oh oh yeah 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 he's a real snack <laughs> in that movie oh my god yeah. it's the most comp that's the most conflicting part of the collector hmm. is you're going oh this is horrible Terrence Stamp though <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> maybe that's just me uh, I'll just put it out there there it is America maybe but uh, yeah Terrama, <laughs> uh, I really like that movie but you know, uh, I, I think that's a good Pasolini to start with to see if like if you're going to be into what he does or not because it's kind of like his goofiest apparent, uh, it's kind of like a weird dark comedy too and it's kind of goofy when you really break down like what happens in it but uh, yeah that's it um I was on Mustachio Podcastio talking about Theater of Blood and Vincent Price. Why Vincent Price what is amazing. And there's other stuff. My blogs, the Japanese one, Japanese movie one, the African history one. There might be stuff, might not. I don't know yet. And uh, <laughs> uh, Megan and Elby, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And yes. Uh, coming up will be the half with Joel. So, I know Joel doesn't like this movie as much as us, so I'm curious how that's <laughs> going to go. Interesting. Uh, He's coming back from yes, Europe really quickly, quickly huh? Uh, I'm <laughs> he caught <wow>. ship. <laughs> I'm stopping now. <laughs> no, I'll never go for the hunter. This is the second half of the Daughters of Darkness episode. Uh, Joel has returned from his trip to Europe where he went to a fancy hotel and there's a, a weird lady living uh, in, a, in a room next next to them. And uh, yeah, I guess he won't talk about that. But instead he'll talk about the movie Daughters of Darkness. I will. Yeah. Oh, and also the, the music bridging 
is uh, the Kate Bush song inspired by The Bride Wore Black, which is thematic because we're talking about that movie this uh, this month. I'll take your word for it. Yes. There are no other movies now, just Daughters of Darkness. Yeah. And I should say, in case Megan uh, Sunday listens to this, I have started listening to Kate Bush here and there, and I like it. That that's it. It's, no like, it's been like nah. four or five songs, and it's like okay, I can I can get into this. Sure. Yeah. So uh, first, had you heard of the movie Daughters of Darkness before? Yes. You had before before we talked about it for mm-hmm. the podcast. Yes, uh, because it's one of the myriad of lesbian vampire movies for some reason, and uh, I don't know. That's that's yes. you know, it's like that one and the one that's literally called Vampiros Lesbos, right? Yes. <laughs> and then there's like which is this track? I'm not even gonna which is a Dracula kind of stripped down and jazzy and artsy. No, Nate. Yeah, it's just like the Dracula, Dracula story, more or less. I don't. I don't know if I. Uh, when it comes to vampires, and we have a sort of vampire podcast, so we go into that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dead Travel Fast. It's available at the usual places. There's only three episodes. Someday there will be more. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I prefer a flashy vampire. I huh. I think like my favorite is you know either um, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula because of how outrageous and like operatic it is, huh. or something. Uh, I don't know. We have, we haven't even got that too much too far into it you know something incredibly gory probably would be next on there like you know blade 2 mm. oh yeah but uh yeah so why do i know about that movie that that's about it and i think uh because i listen to some horror movie podcast you know it just comes up every once in a while yeah. it's one of those yeah i mean it's it's the same plot as um, vampire, jump yeah, the uh, velvet vampire, more or less. I mean, the difference between the daughters of darkness and velvet vampire is that velvet vampire is a hundred percent pure art, and daughters of darkness is, uh, you know, somebody's student film. Wait, did I get those mixed up? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, velvet vampires. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I like that movie, but like it has the. The guy from Beyond the Valley of Dolls, who mm-hmm. has the classic uh, line that you can't use anymore of, uh, like, you're not just a broad, you're a damn ugly one, when with a reveal <laughs> at the end. Uh, I feel bad for laughing at that, but the, the way you said it made me laugh, not the, not the line itself. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but, but seeing that guy in like a vampire movie is like, no, he should be like a Russ Meyer movie. You don't, you don't fit in this. But I do like the movie mm. uh, overall. 
I don't remember what happens exactly in Velvet Vampire, but whenever I think about it, I remember this story that Sarah, my significant other, told me about being in New York with her sister, and they saw, I think she said it was a student film, where uh, two men in um, Renaissance, or not even Renaissance, uh, you know, the, the powdered wigs and the, uh, uh, like the French court kind of thing that you would see, like, uh, um, you know, Marie Antoinette style, right? And uh-huh. uh, they were they were lovers and, uh, you know, everything was slightly period accurate. And then they both got in a Jeep and drove off together. Um, and uh, after that, I was like, I don't want to hear about this movie anymore. Huh. Has nothing to do with anything. I just do. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, first, uh, so, there, uh, it has come up before about Chantel Ackerman. Um, there's a movie, uh, it's just, what's what, what pronouns? It's like, I, me, it, it yeah, it to L, right? Yeah, I can't remember the order. Je, sorry, it's Je. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you noticed yes. the 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 vampire in this is wait was it that one? Uh, Delphine uh, uh, say uh, uh, Sirig is in. I don't I don't that, know what you're talking uh, about. It's about. I'm looking. No, she is not in any Chantel Ackerman I've seen. Which I think is only Jetu Il L. I know, right? It's um, Janine uh, Dillman, Dillman, uh, 23 Commerce. That's the one. Oh, the, uh, yeah. The f- um, uh, Just a wo- woman's, like, uh, life. Yeah, the four-hour one. Never mind. Yeah. That I would have got. Yeah. And she's also the, the fairy... The fairy godmother and donkey skin. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, she's a real chameleon. Like she, uh, like I've seen her in like three or four movies, and in each movie, I'm like, oh wait, I didn't realize that was her. Even though, like, for most part, she doesn't change her look. Uh, it's just like you know, like she has this very ethereal, ethereal quality to her. Uh, the only other thing I've seen her in is the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Where she plays a woman. Yeah. But, uh... Anyway, so, yeah, I was pretty sure... Um, well, what did you think of the vampirism in this? Did you think it was explicitly supernatural or did you think it was uh, more along the lines of she's a serial killer uh first of all what vampirism just kidding uh it's yeah i mean she's a vampire in the sense that she is ageless but until the the ridiculous scene where our uh, joe pantaleano's wrist get cut you know and uh, by <laughs> a bowl splitting perfectly in half like you don't see that she's a vampire. Just a couple of people who are like, "I remember you from forty years ago, and you looked exactly the same." That could be those crazy old men. 
Yeah. I mean, she's got a ward that uh, seems to uh, think that she's on the way out anyways. And uh, she does seem to have, like, hypnotizing powers and stuff like that. But my... uh, If I have problems with the movie... No, I do have... I have problems with the movie. But one one of the vampire problems I have is... What is her power besides immortality and a little bit of mesmerism, I guess? Oh, it's smirky. But it's smirky to the point where it's like, well, like my main problem is, uh, it's like this a little too vague, and it's like you can have a couple more details in there. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't get to know them as characters. The the person we find out the most about, in my opinion, is uh, the guy I said looks like Joe Pantoliano, John Carlin. I think it's his name, right? Yeah. Who was also in uh, Surf Ninjas, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just clicked on the Surf Ninjas on Letterboxd, and uh, mm-hmm. the picture of Rob Schneider that is there, it looks ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> it's not. <clears throat> Let's talk about that instead. Um, yeah, so... Obviously, this is considered a feminist movie, right? Um, is it? I don't know. Did that not come up last time? Not, uh, not really. Okay, I I feel like people bring it up in in terms of feminism, probably because the lead is you know powerful and stuff like that. But the yeah, uh, pers- personally. And I'm a, I'm a heterosexual male, so I should probably shut up. But the movie did not seem to be about the women. And I think that's a problem. It seemed to me, well, to me, it seemed more about the powerful woman um, making this man look like a complete idiot. <laughs> well, the, the man is doing a, an excellent job of making himself like an idiot without even do anything like yeah but like she sees him as easy prey and then makes him uh i don't like like uh like it came up in the first half that his character arc yeah doesn't make a whole lot of sense and there are two there are a couple big jumps that seemingly come out of nowhere i'm sorry say that part again um in the first half it came up that uh his story, his character arc has a couple of jumps that make no sense, and like, <laughs> like, like laying it out. Which if you, you know, it goes to go to the first half. If you're listening, it says here like his story, like what his character arc is, and it's like, if you think about it logically, it's like no, like every, the other people, like where they start and where they end makes sense. But with him, it's like oh, there are too many leaps. It seems to change like every twenty to thirty minutes. Like a, I've no. I mean, the the things that I can take from what was presented is that he is a mentally disturbed person who we don't. I don't know if they were had a specific reason that they got quickly married because they didn't really say right, uh, and then 
we find out that he is a. Ro- Hold on a second. And he's aroused by abuse, which is, uh, you know, that's a, a scary thing. And uh, yeah, then he, you know, he's avoiding his mother, his quote-unquote mother, for some reason, who is also a, a countess, I think he's saying, right? I don't know. That's part of the vagary of the movie. It's like, I don't know, I, I, a little more detail. And then after he's already beaten, I think at that point he's beaten his wife when he actually makes a phone call to his mother who he, yes, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't know what to say about that, but I, I don't think, I think the movie was trying to convey that like, of course he's mentally ill, look who he's calling and that is a load of shit. (laughs) So. But I don't know. It's 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 kind of impossible to read. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. Like in some way, this is a stretch. But if 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 I kind of falls into that category, I put like showgirls into where it's like, yes, it's a parody and excessive. But at the same time, it's embracing the parody in excess to points like. It's right in that line between, um, like, like you can't really tell what it what it is. I mean, uh, do we think that? I mean, did did the director say he was making a, a parody? No, I or something like that. No, I've 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 been thinking. No, it's just more time to think about Showgirls lately because I watched it for the first time and not on TV, and I was like. Oh, this is actually a good movie. Don't know what people are talking about. If I can, I mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a little tired and loopy. The this, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. But like, uh, what are you talking? I, I think about? the point I was trying to get at was, it's. I honestly do not remember the point I was trying to make. Is there something about like the? Uh, like, you were saying the movie being uh, possibly a farce. Yeah, like it seems or, kind of farcical. Maybe. In, in my opinion, it, it, I think it is a dark comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it was... I don't think they went in with the intention of making a great piece of work this is just this is totally my what i saw based on what the movie i watched and i apologize if i'm uh my opinion is making anyone upset because it it like i said it's just my opinion you're totally entitled on yours and you're totally entitled to tell me i'm wrong it feels like it's a, a kind of schlocky b movie that they made and like i think they didn't have very much like i don't know did they have much budget because uh, there are, what three, four set pieces? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I I've said already, but like, my main problem with the movie is, it's basically not long enough. Like, I, I needed a couple, like half an hour more of hanging out, mm. and just like developing the character stuff, 
Cause it had that like Altman like slow intentional slow pace, and like just like people was talking to each other, and it's like, all right, this is fine, but like to do that, this example of how that doesn't work sometimes, or it's like if you don't do like the the character work, it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't all, all fully come together. In like this, like the story wise and character wise, it doesn't fully come together. Which has me thinking, which, like, is this, like, too vague in some areas where it's, like, I can't overlook it? But that said, I will watch this movie again. I know that for a fact, because, like, it's this, also, it's, like, a very, like, purely, like, in some ways, visual, like, movie. It's, like, yeah, you don't get, like, I, I feel like, like, mainstream-wise, you don't get horror movies like this. Like, uh, like, this could only have been made at the time. Uh, wh- why do you feel that the visuals in this were any different than some of the other things that came out around this area? Because, uh, era? Because I, I think the problem is that you just introduced me to, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Fulci. Oh, yeah. And now I'm like... Well, I, I mean, I, I watched those Fulci movies after I watched Daughters of Darkness, but I was like, oh no, that movie's becoming less visually interesting in my brain just as this happened. Just, I'm watching Manhattan Baby, and I don't know if the listeners also watch Manhattan Baby, but uh, Daughters of Darkness is a better movie, but some of the, you know, Fulci's going all out. You know, he does the cameras, he does the moves, he does the shots, the yeah. lighting and the set design and all that stuff like that, and... Uh, well, to, well, yeah. Well, eventually, like it's trying to evoke pre, like classic Hollywood, like pre-code Hollywood, down to like the look of the vampire is uh, Marlene Dietrich, and there's a lot of uh, black and white, and so there's like this, at least for me, like once I got into the rhythm of it, like it had this, like when I think when I think about the movie, I think of it looking like Sin City, where it's black and white with like pops of red. Like 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 the color palette and the set design, like it feels like it meshes in tone with like the I don't know, like uh yeah, that's what I'm going with. I wish I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more scenes where things were popping out on the screen, but I think a lot of it, uh, you know, the the version I watched was. Uh, was it on Criterion or was it on Shutter? I can't remember, but um, it, it, you know it, they, everything looked about the same tone to me, oh. uh, color wise, like the hotel and all that stuff. Until towards the end, when things start happening, <clears throat> and I understand why the ending would be memorable to almost anyone, or not even the ending, the you know five minutes before the ending or whatever. I don't know, like, eventually, like, it just appeals to me. I like the old hotel. <clears throat> it's like the soft skin, like, the whole, like, this, like, kind of reminds me of the soft skin in some ways of, like, this, of the aesthetic of it is, like, it's just, it's just, I like that type of architecture and, like, the clothes and, like, the, in this, in this case, like, the choice of having a lot of black, white, and red. 
Yeah, see, now, now you're making me think there. Yeah, the loneliness of the hotel, the loneliness of a vampire's life, you know, off, have to be off-season, have to be undercover. And... Mm. Mm, but... Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, the the movie uh, yeah, is on Delphine's um, shoulders. And, like, every scene she's not in it's just it's a poochie problem it's like when she's not there it's like well where's where's bathory no i see i didn't i did not care after i the about the halfway point of the movie or maybe a little bit more than that it was just like she's not doing anything except for talking in uh kind of riddles and you know reassuring her subject you know or being completely inappropriate when talking to either the the couple there because she i don't know because she's very interested in them so eventually i couldn't help but get hooked on whatever uh stefan there was whatever was going on in his life, you know, and I I knew there was not going to be any answers. Like, is there is there a secret here like that? Like, that's is it me or is it a failure of the movie? I can't say. But I I do feel dumb for not wanting to watch the vampires. <laughs> oh. uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, do you? Oh. Yeah, uh, are you familiar with the Carmilla story? The that predated Dracula. I'm familiar that it was a story. I I don't actually know the tale. It's basically the plot of this. There's a a, a young couple, sometimes married, sometimes just uh, you know, it's like a young couple together, and there's a vampire who's a woman who. Um, seduces uh, the 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 woman in the couple, and you know, takes her as her like um, subject or lover or whatever, depending on like what like how much they're adapting the story. Sure. And this is just like basically the female vampire movies uh, are like Carmilla stories, even like. Uh, the hunger, you know, like that's a Camilla, like Camilla story, and I'm trying to think if there are any modern ones. Cause like, I can't really think of any off the top of my head, like newer than like uh, the hunger. Hmm. I know there have to be more. I just can't think of them right now. Yeah, I I can't think. Uh... Is there is it a eclipse or new moon possibly? I won't be surprised if they tried to do something like that, but I don't know. I know they, they don't do anything that interesting in any of those. Okay, movies. I I've never seen them, so I was trying to be fair in my judgment. Yeah. Well, shockingly, they have very little to do between vampire and human interactions, and mostly vampire and vampire, or vampire and werewolf. Okay. Which is, um, 
Whoever decided to first mix vampires and werewolf, which I think was universal, we need to go back in time and stop them. Why? But it's been nothing but terrible things since then. But but there's a secret war that's been going on for centuries. Yeah, but when is I Frankenstein showing up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Still waiting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't like. I don't have much to say about Doctor Darkness besides like. I like it. I have problems with some of it. It doesn't fully mesh with me, but at the same time, I know for a fact I'm going to watch it again. Uh, and I, I am interested in... Uh, Kat Ellinger has a, wrote a book for... I didn't look up who, who powers the book, but she wrote a book on it that came out, I think, last year that I've been meaning to get. So I, it's one of those movies that I'm not the... I, I'm not in love with it, but I do like uh, hearing people talk about it. I honestly, I've never heard a single, like, actual conversation about it, except for just mentioning it, like, in vampire movies or whatever else like that. So I've never really heard anyone discuss it. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I But, I, I, you know, it's, I'm not not upset i watched the movie i still gave it three out of five stars yeah. which somebody's probably like what the fuck <laughs> why so low like I, it, it just wasn't for me it's, it has nothing to do with the reflection on the movie i'm just saying it wasn't for wasn't for me three three out of five stars means that i will watch it again yeah uh, yeah i mean that's my reaction so, that's my reaction the first time i saw it second time i liked it more but i think it was also because i've seen delphine uh uh Sivrig in other movies and seeing her in this is like, oh, she's great and I love to see her love seeing her in movies. Yep. And she's in the last year at Marion Bad, a movie that uh we won't cover. Don't get don't don't get your hopes up, everyone. Like we're not gonna bother with that. <laughs> Why not? I, I I got a lot of things to say. Have you seen it? <laughs> That's one I, I absolutely don't know how to talk about at all. And yeah. uh, I, I mean, talk about it like it's a movie. It's a movie, right? Come on. Yeah, it is. But at the same time, it's like the other people, other smarter people have talked about it. And it's like, yeah, I don't think I'll add anything to that. And Delphine is in that. I think it's one, one of her first movies. Mm-hmm. But and uh, kind of similar to this. Uh, all right. Um, what was it? Oh, do you have it? Uh, nah, I got nothing. I'm tired. Okay, so. <laughs> 71. 1971. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you didn't really, you said somebody recommended that one, uh, which was not the one I would recommend anyways. I haven't seen anything too unusual. I feel like everything that I, Spencer and I were talking about it earlier, basically is most of the well-known stuff. Uh, A Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which is uh, one of the Fulci movies we watched for our Fulci episode. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that because I talked about it there, but I think it's pretty good. Um, 
it is very sexual in the beginning, and then it becomes kind of like a, a murder detective story. Uh, Velvet Vampire also came out this year, same year. So it's a serendipity or, or vampire ladies was in the air. But yeah. it's got an amazing poster, and uh, the movie itself is kind of a... Yeah, it's an amusement. I like it. Yeah. I don't think I'd tell anyone to watch it, but I like it. It's it's more of a direct um, Carmilla rip uh, down to, like, the vampire in that one is named after the author of the of the Carmilla story mm. I think rather than mention one of the other more well known ones I'm going to go with the Omega Man which I might have even recommended on something else I don't know that the Vincent but, Price one no uh, no, no. That's... that is the last man on earth okay Omega Man is Charlton Heston. Oh, as that the one. Omega Man, the last man, the uh, I, I robot. No, wait. Uh, I legend. I legend. I am legend. And in this movie, he's a, he is as sweaty and as Charlton Heston-y as you can get. And it's kind of spectacular. Plenty of scenes with him without his shirt on, even though he's... How old is he in this movie? 1971, and he was born in 1833. No, that's not right. Doesn't say his birth date on that thing. That's fine. Anyways, he's an old man. He should put his shirt back on. But he's the last man on Earth. Who's going to see him? Except he's not the last man on Earth. There's a bunch of uh, people who are speaking in dialogue that can only be written by white people, but it is coming out of the mouth of uh, African-American actors. Um, and then there are some weird spotty faced dudes that are cool and it's really violent. And if you lived in Los Angeles, there's a lot of shots of old Los Angeles that are are pretty cool to see. And the entire soundtrack or score was done by like a five piece jazz, you know, group. So I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun, but I wouldn't say it's good. Yeah. I have no opinion on on that movie. <laughs> Gotta figure that out. I'm more interested in watching the Vincent Price version of the story. I've also seen that one, and that one is also good. I like Price more than Heston, but I think that's because I'm a rational person. Yeah. Wait, what'd you say? I like, like price better than Houston? Yeah. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, I'm a rational person. Yeah. I still like Charleston Heston, though, even though, you know. Yeah, 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 I know. His, his past. <laughs> uh, apparently, he was uh, pretty cool. Um, there's some... Um, I forgot what that show was called. It was on for a long time. Some political show they had comedians and actors on and he was on with dana gould who's a liberal and like in in between commercial breaks like heston was was like hey i appreciate uh your your side of the opinion or whatever and he like he wasn't like an asshole republican about it he was actually a decent human being even though they were like debating like gun rights or whatever yep I'm sure most people are decent human beings, but I know. 
I'm, I'm going to check the tag on their, their clothes and see if there's a red spot anyways. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have anything else to say. Should we stop? <laughs> okay. Um, this will come out either before or after the Bride War Black episode. And um, that's being paired with Teorama. And uh, yeah, that's it. All right, stopping. Okay. The show can be found on Twitter at Piano Player Pod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and at various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening.